I'm in. Hey, Gucci Gumbo. What's up, man? Gucci Gumbo. Okay. Hey. Yeah, Let's throw the pot and throw some seasoning in there. Oh, I like that, dog. What you cooking this morning? Some sore legs. <laughs> well, you know, damn, man, you roll right into a pre-roll plug. Get that active uh, Hello CBD muscle butter going. You'll be back in no time. Most deaf, dude. I'm going to rub <laughs> that stuff on there before I go to work. Sweet. So, yeah, we're rolling right now. We are, we're going. And, man, so Whitney Stambro. Dude, I always pronounce your last name incorrectly, but that's correct, right? That was correct. All right. Um, I always was saying Stambro, like you from NYC and five boroughs, but it's Stambro. <laughs> uh, give the people a quick one minute in turn. Who are you? Um, Whitney Stambro. I started uh, my cycling journey as a junior, uh, racing mountain bikes all across the southern United States, namely in Texas. Hi. And... Um, when I graduated high school, I left for Cumberland University and did five years at the uh, at Cumberland University racing on their varsity program. And uh, from there, I kind of traveled around and ended up back in Middle Tennessee working at one of the premier bike shops of the area, Moab Bike Shop. And that's where I reside now as a bike mechanic and an amateur gravel racer. That's yeah. awesome, man. That's about it. Sweet. That's a great uh, origin story of cycling and super stoked to be teammates this year. Although we haven't really been able to get to race much, obviously because of the COVID scenario going down, but all good things coming in the future. Um, so if you follow Whitney on Strava or, and is it, so the handle for Instagram, is it whitey wit or witty wit? <laughs> it's witty wit. I know, okay. I know it's confusing. It's one T. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's W H I T Y W H I T, correct? Correct. Yeah. So if you follow him, you're gonna get lots of stories of him riding through Middle Tennessee, doing some mega, mega rides. And that's kind of what this guy is known for. When I first started following him maybe a few years ago when I had moved into Nashville and people were like, yo, this dude Whitney does some crazy miles. Um, you know, at that time it was you were working a bunch and were riding just centuries, it seemed like. Yes. Tuesday, Saturday centuries only. That was it. That was kind of the recipe. Um, When I got back into cycling in 2012, I had kind of taken about a year and a half off. I lived up in Minneapolis and I wasn't riding my bike much. Um, Actually convinced my dad to send my bike to me. I was going stir crazy. I was like, I got to get back on this thing. Got my bike, kind of started exploring the city, the Twin Cities. I wasn't really riding any distance, but just knocking out like 20, 30 a day. And, um, and then some life changes happened, and that's when I moved back to Tennessee. Uh, when I got back to Tennessee, it was just like it was like an old dog had come home, man. All my old yeah. roads that I had trained on at Cumberland were just right there at my access, and I was like, I got to hit this stuff. And that's when I just kind of started going out and exploring as more as much as I could, and uh, just kind of found my niche with this hundred mile thing, and. You know, at the time there was, you know, there was, there was a good cycling scene here. There has been for a while, but at the time nobody was like riding big rides. And I was like, man, I wonder if I could be that guy. I kind of want to like see what that life is all about. I just started following a guy out of Birmingham, Alabama, uh, by the name of Brian Toon. I'm sure a lot of people uh, recognize that name. And that big dude, miles. Ba- yeah, that dude basically takes what I do. And I mean, it's, it's not even. It's not even comparable, as you know. Um, But, yeah, shout out to Brian, man. He's a huge inspiration. That's awesome, dude. And I think those old roads vibe 
when you know a lot of the listeners are newer to cycling for the most part or and when i say newer you know when i think of a cyclist i would consider myself in the middle of the road like you get the og 20 plus years then you're truly ingrained in it but if you've been riding four or five years like all roads are new right now and i think back to roads that i first started training and doing intervals on in upstate new york and man i have i see old picture like google photos but like i take a lot of photos on my phone so they'll like update you know hey remember this memory from 11 years ago and i'm like damn you know <laughs> it's reminiscent so i can only imagine you when you came back to middle tennessee having those training roads and being like getting that itch it just sort of like pulls you back towards i'm like man i want to go see those roads again uh with a different mindset and a different being in a different place in life definitely man definitely so i want to jump into this man we you were requested to be on here and i i would have been thinking about getting some podcast guests on and the first question came up is being like yo dude you gotta get this guy whitney on uh and here's the the question was when whitney's gearing up for a huge ride where he's going into uncharted territory how much does he look at watts versus duration or a combo of both and i asked a clarification of like, well, what do you mean Watts? And you say, well, does he like think about pacing at this point? And so I would want to ask you this question. You're going out for a hundo. Um, are you riding just endurance? Are you doing it with buddies? Are you thinking about, okay, how am I going to feel at mile 85? Or are you just rolling? And can you talk about nutrition and like what you're eating? How do you fuel? Do you think about eat every 20 minutes? What's your strategy? But then also let's talk about, okay, I'm about to hit 200 or I'm about to hit 250, something that you don't do all the time, but you do enough. Um, maybe that strategy differs. And before we jump in that, what's your longest ride ever? Longest ride ever was July 4th, 2020, 300 miles on the dot. Woo! Yeah. What would you, <laughs> what do you consider a long ride? Uh, you know, a long ride for me is, I mean, it's still right there at a hundred, you know, mm-hmm. five, six hours, um, mm-hmm. and then anything over, um, a hundred definitely isn't like a mega, um, but you know, it, it's getting out there and spending some time on the bike and yeah. that's kind of the baseline for me now. I mean, a lot of people are like, God, this guy's just sick with a hundred miles. And I mean, honestly I am, and it's just, it, that's just what it is. And mm-hmm. every time I get on the bike, it's like, man, do I have time to like crush a hundred today? That's, yeah. that's what I'm thinking, you know, every day off, uh, you know, before I get there, I'm kind of looking at, you know, I'm looking at things like, what's the weather doing? What's my schedule like? Do I need to leave early? Can I leave late? You know, and it's just, I'm just, uh, I'm totally consumed by it. <laughs> well, actually, before we jump into that question, now that you've gotten more into racing, which is kind of how we linked up, once I saw you at, oh man, Belfast Road Race, whatever, and I'm like, yo, dude, you're like, you're rolling now, and does your mindset change of instead of just doing endurance, are you ever like doing intervals or like when we did the team ride is probably, that was probably higher intensity than a normal a hundred. Do you, you know, you said a hundred is now really mega, but damn dude, if we go out and bang, like a hundred can be pretty damn mega. Yeah. A hundred can be mega. I mean, you can, you can, you can definitely put 5,000 kilojoules in a in hundred miles. And I mean, I did that on that team ride we did with the yeah. terrain. Of, I mean, with the combination of the terrain and the pace, that was, yeah. I mean, that ride felt like 250 miles when I was done with it. So yeah, you're <laughs> right. no, that's, a, that's a good question. You can definitely Dude, turn you know, five hours into what feels like 10. Those climbs were getting gnarly. I was like, okay, I like, there is no, 
not hammering up those things because it was so freaking steep. And I was like, they're really, this has to be the last one. Um, you know, and then we did a little bit of mountain biking and that was, that was cool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, all right. So to the question, let's talk about a hundred miles, normal hundo. You're just rolling. What is the pacing strategy? Uh, pacing strategy is, you know, if it's an endurance day, then I'm trying to stay, you know, north of 200 watts and, you know, right around 215, 220 is kind of where I, where I'll, I'm going to perform really good. So if I can, if I can put that out on a day, I'll be happy. Um, yeah, I'll be throwing some intervals in there. Uh, Patrick will have me do stuff in the last hour to an hour and a half if I'm getting ready for a race, just to kind of simulate, you know, being a few megajoules in and then trying to get some power out of the legs. I really mm-hmm. enjoy that. I enjoy mm-hmm. uh, throwing a couple of KOMs and uh, towards the end of a ride uh, to go for it. That way, I'm I'm thinking about that the whole day. It's kind of like a race simulation for me. I mean, I grew up as a racer. So it's definitely ingrained. Uh, the competitive side of cycling is, is ingrained deep in, in me. And when I'm riding a bike, I mean, even if I'm by myself out there, I will definitely like find myself daydreaming. Like I'm in a race, like I'm off the front or, mm-hmm. you know, bridge up, things like that. Um, and then so do you let those thoughts, let me jump in real quick. Do you, do you yeah. let those thoughts though dictate the ride then? Cause if you're thinking you're off the front, like you might be going a little too hard. Is that going to hurt you an hour five or exactly. are you just like, Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, I just let, I just kind of get out there and let the ride dictate how the day is going to be. I mean, my philosophy is, is no bad days on the bike. So I could, Mm. you know, if, Mm -hmm. if I can't, if I can't like turn the power out, man, I'm going to do something else. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to be like, well, let's go hit that, you know, gravel cut through road that I've been looking at for the last three months. Like, you know, I don't care anymore. Like I'm going to scrap this day up to just like an adventure or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but Dude, I love I'm... that. I love that because we're really finding ourselves in an interesting place with training where now that we all have access to these metrics and I mean, the number of people that have downloaded WKO and at least dip their toes into it so they know sort of what some of the charts and graphs and metrics they can go after mean, it's made us more metric hungry. And there's, you know, the idea that if you're failing the interval workout, the day is total trash, you know, people just cut the ride, go home, they're pissed off. And I'm like, no, nah, man, like, no, that's not, we're not so binary that it's you either won or you lost. Like you got, you can get a win out of it. And some days you just don't have it. And you just got to, you just roll. Like, I just think that the uh, quitting mentality, and I, and I don't think people that cut a ride short would consider it quitting, but it's like, dude, some days you just are not good and you deal with it. You keep riding though. You don't, I mean, shoot, you can still put endurance down, go ride endurance. Definitely. I mean, and at this point, you know, 20 years of riding, I know if I know that, you know, if I'm in a ride and I'm like, if I go home now, I'm not going to be satisfied. So, yes. and you know, I know what I need to do to get that satisfaction. And it, I mean, uh, I'll be honest with you, man, the more and more we do this, I mean, as you know, like the harder it is, like you're, you scrape for that motivation. I mean, uh, some people do a better job than others. Um, I just consider myself really blessed to like just always have that fire going. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely trying to never quit on a workout. Um, if Patrick gives me some intervals, like I already know they're going to be hard. I know the last two, I'm just going to be like, what's going on? Um, mm-hmm. But I always ink them out. You know, I just, I always try to, obviously, you know, there are some situations in life that may come up, you know, on a ride or something like that and mechanicals or just any kind of thing that could happen. Uh, you have to be willing to adapt, but 
yeah, I reiterate what you said there, you know, just, just keep crushing, man, you know? Yeah, I like that. So, so to, to summarize that really, you're letting, you know, wattage, you're not necessarily, you're not just staring at the watts, you're letting the ride dictate, you might go a little bit harder if you're feeling it. Would you ever, so then if you start feeling like you're, you know, do you feel like you go out of your endurance zone on an endurance ride? Or are you really trying to stay in endurance if it's an endurance day? And maybe you have, do you have like separate days where you would do the intervals that Patrick gives you? Or how do you separate the two? Or are you just like, nah, man, when I roll, I just roll? Um, You know, it's starting to get a little bit more structured. It used to just be like, I'm rolling. And mm-hmm. um, now I'm trying to pay a little bit more attention to it because the training works. And, you know, we're trying to get ready for races. I know, you know, that there's nothing really going on right now, but uh, when it does open back up, I want to be primed and ready. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to listen to my body. I'm trying to listen uh, to the information I have access to with yourself and Patrick and just kind of uh, work with that. And man, this year has been a complete turnaround in cycling for me as far as um, what I can do on the bike now. And it's just every, every time I get on the bike, I'm just like, wow. Okay. I, I, for, for the longest time I was like, man, I'll never be as strong as I was from like 18 to 25. And now I'm yeah. like, I'm oh, laughing dude. at that guy. <laughs> yeah. I love that, man. I have, especially on the other end of the spectrum, not even looking, how old are you right now? I'm 34 years old. So 34, you're looking back 10, nine, you know, 10 plus years. I have a lot of guys that are masters athletes that will be late forties, fifties. And they're like, dude, I'm not going to touch my number when I'm your age right now, like 32, 33, 34. And I'm like, well, let's see, because now we're 15 years past that dude, the training that we know about and how to train athletes and how to understand an athlete are so much better that it just blows people's minds when they're like, I can't believe I just like bested my five minute power by X Watts. And it's really just the having the accountability is huge, obviously to somebody else, but just having the structure and knowing what we know now it's training with power is still so relatively new. I mean, it's like the science is changing and new things come up every year. And um, I think that's what, that's when you talk about having that fire, that's one thing that keeps me super motivated. Cause a guy told me, he's like, well, physiologically your best year is going to be when you're like 34 and I started riding when I was 26, getting seriously into it. And I was like, okay, that kind of makes sense. Like that'll be, you know, eight years of serious training. And, you know, it seems like that would be a good amount. But once, you know, now I'm a lot, I'm going to be 39 in January. So that'll be 13 years of training and I'm definitely getting faster and stronger. Um, and it's simply just because of the education that we have as cyclists. So it's pretty pretty motivating i think hopefully it's motivating for everyone that like no matter where you're at in your spectrum of riding you can definitely get better um that that's that's awesome i know it's motivating for me man i mean i look at guys like you i mentioned brian tune earlier i think he's like mid to late 40s and mm-hmm. yeah i mean you don't ever you don't have to play i mean it, i remember growing up in cycling like when training was it seemed like it was elementary school compared to what it is now um, mm-hmm. but, the, but like the term, uh, overtraining and burnout, I mean, I know those are real terms. You have to like, you have to monitor that to make sure that it doesn't happen. Um, but no, I mean, you can, and, and plateauing and like 34 is your prime 
And, you know, you're like hearing all this as a youth and you're like, well, man, I better get it done before then. Or just like, there's going to be no more time afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get there and you're like, no, man, like this homie in the Masters 50 just like crushed me. Like, just crushed. Just totally crushed. Guys. Yeah, just crushed me, man. That's uh, part of my uh, like racing story. I remember one of my first races at Cat 5. I had no idea what I was doing and I was just like out there riding in my basketball shorts and uh, <laughs> I got like maybe 11th, maybe ninth. I don't know. And I like looked at the results list and like fifth and maybe seventh were like 54 and 53. And I was like, damn, I just got smoked by a dude 30 years older than me. Like, that's not cool. Like, how is that yep. happening? <laughs> and then you meet like the old school cat one crushers that just grind out big gears and like, smash all day and it's just like dude you motivate the hell out of me because i want to be in the sport for a long time so it's it's interesting what's getting back to your big getting back to your hundo nutrition what's the deal with that what are you doing um popping the torque gels the si the sis gels the goo gels Mm -hmm. pretty much whatever i can get my hands on because you know i'm going through so many of them Mm -hmm. um but yeah those you know 33 carbs per pop and i'm just trying to it's so funny man i was thinking about this last night i was like man we used to go out for three four hours and have three gels on us yeah and like we thought we were doing good like hey man it's an hour in you better eat that gel oh yeah good call you know and then like crushing a gel with 20 miles to go being like this is gonna take me home man now i might <laughs> eat i might eat three or four gels in the last 20 miles like depending on what's going on yeah uh, but yeah no it's it's um right now i'm about three per hour and a little bit of drug so, taste. So those gels are only 22, a gel. On the SIS? Yeah. Man, on these torques. We're like, oh, torques. To yeah, torques. I don't know what that um, is. And that's just uh, what oh, I've torque got. And yeah, torque and SIS. Torque, SIS, Goo. Um, those are about the three main brands I, I mess with. Um, gotcha. Torque and SIS are definitely my favorite, just the consistency of them. Yeah. And we sell a lot of we sell a lot of torque at the shop, so I've just got like access to it. And yeah, cool. This isn't like no torque plug or anything. I've actually uh, talked to them in the past, be like, "Hey, what's up with an ambassadorship?" You know, um, and they're they're all great people down there, and uh, I believe they're in Georgia. But yeah, it's a good product. Tastes delicious. Works um, very similar to the SIS as far as consistency and flavor goes. Very cool. Um, now but yeah trying, talk- trying to keep you know 80 80 gram, 80 grams plus of carbs per hour you know and i didn't know anything about that and, until you started talking to me about it yeah and so i kind of keep that for endurance or for hard sessions like i'm actually about to go out and i have to do a little bit of intensive aerobic testing today just get some baselines and so on a four-hour ride i have uh, about 375 grams packed on the counter right now so i'm a little sh- I shoot for a hundred if I'm going in tens. I'm a little shy, but I'm, I figure I'll get in my hundred for the first two hours and then taper it off a little bit because I got su- this weekend. I got super carby and didn't end up riding a ton, so I need to uh, probably put on a couple extra kjs. Um, luckily, not kgs, but yeah. What's <laughs> <laughs> what's your uh, so eighty an hour? That's awesome. And um, I lost my train of thought of the next question I was going to ask you, but so when we're talking 200, 300 mile, 
um, maybe going into uncharted territory. We don't know where you're riding or, you know, we obviously have Garmin maps, but do you mind riding where you don't know? Like I get a little uneasy it, just because I don't know where the water is. I don't know like familiar routes. What's your thought on familiarity versus just going into uncharted territory? What's the mindset there? Um, awesome question. When I'm in, when I'm in familiar territory, I'm just flying. Obviously, you know where everything is, so you're not worried about water. And when I go to uncharted territory, I'm like in my natural element. I love it. Um, it's a it's a straight on like it's just a chess match for me. You know, okay, I've never been here before. I'm really far away from home. I don't know what the next you know road's gonna be like. I don't know the next hill coming up. I don't know. Good question about water. What what am I gonna do if I run out of water? You know, um, you, you might be looking for somebody in their driveway. Being like, hey, yo, what's up, man? Mind if I hit that spigot? <laughs> yeah, they look at you a little strange. Like, it's pretty hot out here. Yeah, you can hit that spigot. Yeah, that happened a couple times on the 300-mile ride uh, up towards uh, Kentucky. Had this old lady let me get some water. Shout out to her. She was sitting on her front porch enjoying the sunrise. And she's like, who's this guy? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, no, I love it, man. I mean, I I like to be out there, you know, the, the Garmin has definitely changed the game up. It used to be cue sheets on, you know, little, uh, note cards that I would, you know, put a little bit of, uh, like packaging tape over. So I wouldn't sweat through them and you'd just be pulling that, (laughs) just be pulling that note card out. You know, I mean, I guess everybody would have their own little, like, uh, you know, way they would like abbreviate things and left, right turn. And, you know, I'd have the distance between both of them and you'd be looking at that analog computer, like, oh, okay, yeah, the turn should be coming up. And then you'd be like, I hope that turns there when I get there. And, you know, nowadays with the, with the turn by turn route on the Garmin, it does kind of take a little bit of that, you know, um, adventure away from it. But at the same time, you know, it's a tool and I'm all, I'm a mechanic. I'm all about using tools uh, to make the job easier. So I'm not going back mm-hmm. to the old note card way unless, you know, Garmin completely crashes. Uh, get yourself together, Garmin. I know you're having some issues. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yo, shout out Garmin. Shout out Wahoo. Shout out all the computers yeah. out there. <laughs> everybody who everybody who knows what a cat eye is, OG cyclist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the old. Uh, Do they still make computers? Make yeah, I put one on a bike the other day. Uh-huh. They even make them with wire still if you want a wired one. Um yeah, Yo, if you're out there, if you're out there, go for the upgrade of no wires. Yeah. I'm just going to throw that out. Yeah, there. no strings attached, baby. There. No strings attached. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, so, you know, I have a question that comes through on um, my little baby 100, 120-mile rides compared to yours of how do you bring – because people look at, like, elapsed time and stop time. And someone's like, yo, dude, it looks like you stopped 15 minutes. Like, where, how are you carrying all this stuff? And I'm like, literally deep pockets. Yeah. And they laughed. I'm like, no, seriously. There are jerseys that I cannot wear on most of my rides because the pockets are babyish. And if you make cycling clothes out there, deep pockets are not less arrow. They are not anything but good. So stretchy big pockets are amazing. What um, When you're going 200 or 300, are you trying to carry everything? Like, do you have a bag or are you like, all right, I'm stopping at 150 at whatever gas station I can find and getting some food? Or are you trying to bring everything with you as a little buffet? Yeah, I bring it all, man. I got a nice handlebar bag that's uh, a lot of CCs so I can stack gels, battery charger, headlight, 
and I, you know, everything I need in that thing and kind of keep it off of my back. If I'm going to, if I'm going 150 more, I'm probably rocking the handlebar bag. That, that way I don't have nothing pulling on my jersey all day. Um, it just feels more comfortable. And it's just right there in front of my hands. I can just reach down, unzip, grab a gel. It just seems to be the most convenient way. Um, and then I just discard the empty wrapper in my back pocket, you know. Uh, try to catch a store on a big ride like that. Yeah, you're going to want a Coca-Cola at some point. Um, and then just staying on top of the nutrition. I mean, you asked earlier how much of it is watts, how much of it is pacing. Um, you know, I, I'm a time trialer, so I just, I, I'm really good at pacing myself. I, I know when I can go a little bit more here, I know when I need to back it off here and that just works really well for me. I am watching the watts as a reference more or less just to kind of make sure everything is going to plan. Um, and if it's not, then I readjust and, you know, it's not the end of the ride. If I, if I couldn't, you know, push 300 Watts up that hill comfortably, I'm just going to back off a little bit for the next two hours. It's a 17 hour ride. I mean, in three hours, I might be feeling like he, man, I don't know. I might be feeling worse. Um, but it's just, that's just the things that are going through your head is like, okay, you're living in the now, but you're understanding that there's a lot of later left. <laughs> you're just you're yeah. just planning for that um it's just i mean uh, i love it man um the anxiety before the ride and everything i don't like that so much but it, it's good training for you know the night before race day i mean you get anxious before a race you get anxious on the start line i mean you get the same way whenever you're going out for like a 200 or a 300 on roads you've never done before so what is that anxiety though i mean it sounds like uncharted charted territory is something you're comfortable in what are you getting anxious about? Just wondering if your body can finish the ride and complete it, or if you're going to totally crack, or is it the anxiety of like just the overall, this is a big ass bike ride. Yeah, this is a big ass bike ride. I've already told a few people I'm going to do it. Now it's like on me to actually go out there and do it. Um, for me, the most anxiety I get is if I a start very early in the morning to where I'm going to have a few hours before the sun rises or B I'm finishing late into the night. I try, I've done so many night rides. I don't know how you train this. I'd have to talk to someone like Brian tune, but sleep deprivation. I mean, even if you've slept six hours and you get up at 2 AM to go ride your bike 300 miles, those first three hours in the dark before the sun comes up are such a mind trip. You're like, what's going on, man? Did the sun just go down? Mm -hmm. Is it coming up? You're like riding by these houses. I'm looking at these houses. I'm like, man, I bet they got a cozy couch in there. I could just like go curl up. And you're like, oh, yes. you got to keep going, man. You're like thinking about laying down on the side of the road. Like, cause I, I love sleep, man. I like, it's my favorite thing to do. I love to just lay down in the bed. I fall asleep about three minutes after laying in a bed. Like I'm, I'm lucky. I know. Um, but yeah, I get on the bike and it's like, oh man, it's so comfortable in my bed. And then I'm like, no, I got to use that as motivation to get through this ride. Like I can lay down as soon as I'm done, but I'm not done yet. I just got started. And you just, it's just like, I don't know, man, I've always struggled with it on, on these two Everest things I've done um, on, on a lot of these like 200 mile rides where I've started really early in the morning. It's so funny. And then the closer you get to sunrise, like it just feels like your battery is draining at like a super quick rate. Then the sun rises and you're like, whoa, I'm great, man. Like, what? what what was all that about? Like, let's rock, man. I'm ready to go. Um, I kind of got to talk to Brian a little bit about it. I, I was, uh, he hit me up in no November of last year. Uh, he was coming through on a ride from Birmingham, uh, to Bowling Green, Kentucky. 
think it was north of 300 miles. And he was just like, hey, man, I'm going to be riding through Murfreesboro at like 2 a.m. You want to jump on? And I was like, absolutely, 100%. Just so happened to be like 12 degrees. It was a freak, like, cold front that it came through early November. Went out, met up with him, and got to ride with him for four hours and pick his brain. And from what it sounds like, yeah, you never really, like, you, you, I guess you do get accustomed to that, like, sleep deprivation. And he's done RAM twice, so uh, sleep deprivation on a whole nother level. It's not like, oh, I get to go to sleep after this ride. Like, no, I got to keep riding after this ride type stuff. Um, and he said, yeah, it's just one of those things, you know. It's just you got to – you just got to come up with ways to trick your mind, you know. Uh, <laughs> It just goes back to like being a kid and like being in a situation you didn't want to be in. And like my dad would always tell me like, you know, just, you know, just think like we're going fishing together. You know, it's just another good day on the boat, something like that, you know. And when I get in those spots, it, as elementary as it is, that's where I go in my head. I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah, I'm just, you know, throwing a line in the water with my old dad. This really that's sucks. Awesome. <laughs> Try and, try, uh, try and keep it positive. It is interesting when you, like, ride by houses and it's at a weird time. I always remember being out on, like, some solo training rides in upstate New York when, the you know, the side of the roads, you're covered in snow and you'd pass, like, a house out in the middle of nowhere and they've got, like, a little chimney and the fi- you can tell they've got a fire going. The smoke's coming out. And it's just like, oh, man, I want to be inside there, like, just kicking it, probably drinking some hot cocoa and maybe, I don't know, maybe they're making s'mores or something or who knows what's what's going on, but it's definitely easier than what I'm doing. And you need to refocus as to why you're out there and kind of what is the motivation for doing that? Cause there's definitely, definitely times when you can call it into question. Um, it's an interesting, interesting place that the mind goes to on these longer rides, no doubt. For sure. Yeah. You think about some goofy stuff, man. I think it's good though, because then you go do an 80 mile ride and you're like, that's nothing. That's easy breezy. For sure. Most definitely. And, uh, you know, I used to think like ultra endurance cyclists, they're just running their body into the ground and it's not healthy. I used to be like, oh, an ultra endurance cyclist. That's like really impressive, but it's not healthy. And that that's not the truth, man. I mean, it can be very healthy if you do it right and you respect it and you recover correctly. Um, and, you know, it's just kind of what I'm trying to do now. I'm a baby in ultra distance, but, you know, maybe one day I'll get to be an adolescent. We'll see. <laughs> where are you trying to where are you trying to grow with this what's the do you have any goals down the road in terms of ultra yeah about four years ago i started saying i want to do race across america i just you know physiology physiologically i don't know if that's something i'll be able to do one day um, but i think it's something that you do in your 40s i'm not christoph strausser i'm not going to go and set a record in my 20s or my 30s um mm-hmm. I'm thinking that's like something where you have like the biggest base possible and you're like in a good headspace and you're like, I think I want to try to race my bike across the country. That's the ultimate goal. Um, and then just, you know, big rides, man. I mean, I just did the 300. So like yesterday I was out riding. I was like, dang, the next one's four. Like it's gotta be four now. Wow. Yeah. You know, I was, uh, <laughs> I'm riding and I'm like, man, you know, and when you get to four, well, then the next one's five. I mean, somebody, somebody has always done something bigger more impressive than you have and you either have to go for that or be cool with it and you know whatever decision you make that that's fine um but i know i'm not stopped at 300 i'll tell you that much but i am worried about the next step forward (laughs) yeah i mean i think uh the next step forward for you is iowa winning rock 350 gravel with like a bajillion feet of climbing 
Definitely, man. I was looking at that one this year, as you know, and I was late on the registration, and then it didn't end up happening, it looks like. So uh, no loss there, but, yeah, I would definitely like to get into something like that. Well, that spotted horse, they're going to move – they're going to have uh, – that's going to happen in, in uh, that October date. The win so is going to – want to bail on – As well. Well, so, yeah, they're, they're – and it's the only year – so that race, Iowa Win and Rock, to pay homage in uh, – it's more of not taking over but to tilt the hat to Trans-Iowa. Yeah. Um, it's Q-Sheets only. Oh. So this yeah. year, though, is the only year that they're going to have a GPX file because – course crosses over with spotted horse and for whatever reason it would like they're just like we're going to do a gpx file this year so if you ever want to do 350 of gravel and uh you're more than welcome to to pass on doing the two hundo with me um i'll i'll be there if covid gets uh calms down a little bit um but so i'm not making any dead set commitments but i would love to do 200 gravel out there together but if not if you want to do 350 man do it no i think i'm leaning more towards the 200 with the team uh getting out there and crushing it with you um but we'll, yeah. we can definitely see how it goes between now and then i was uh i was eyeing the mississippi delta epic it's a 300 mile gravel race but i think it's right around possibly on the same date as those iowa races um i need to go back and look i do know it's in later october but I'm really open to to do whatever, man. I mean, honestly, I, I'd probably rather go up to Iowa. I've never raced in that state, and I've already raced twice in Mississippi this year, so might be one of those things. Like, yeah. let's go see some different scenery. Yeah, road bike or gravel bike? Uh, what's the preference on uh, the Delta Epic? No, oh, in your sorry. life, uh, man, road bike. I was doing so much gravel mm-hmm. on my road bike. 10 years before they were gravel bikes. I love gravel bikes. No doubt. They uh, are definitely superior than a road bike on gravel. You can go harder, faster and uh, make dumber decisions. <laughs> but uh road bike has my heart, man, because I can get on my road bike and I can go almost anywhere I want to. I mean, even that, yeah. even that mountain bike trail I took you on, I've done that one on the tarmac several times. You, know, you have to go really, Whoa. you have to go really slow. It's not like you're flying down doing X ups over the drops or anything like that. Um, but yeah, if you're just like out on a ride and you're like, oh, I want to get to that road. I know I have to take this like gnarly trail. I'll just do it on the road bike real quick. If I have to walk a hundred feet or something like that, you know, I'll do it. Um, but yeah, road bike, you know, slim down, trim, fast, skinny tires. Let's go. Let's go. G A U X. What yes. up? Um, uh, you ever not in the mood to ride a bike? Very seldom. Uh, yeah, no, I'm always down to ride, man. I mean, uh, I was uh, thinking yesterday on my ride how in November or October will be 10 years that I've had a vehicle and I've ridden everywhere uh, every day to work every time to the grocery store to the bank all that's been done on a bike for the last 10 years um, in the worst weather you can imagine in the middle of the night when you're sick to go to Walgreens and get medicine it's just like <laughs> I, I set myself up to like just go to the to the next step with cycling for me after college. And it just kind of like became this crazy obsession. And now I have nine bikes in the apartment and I'm a full-time bike mechanic. It's, uh, I mean, bikes are just like in my face every day from the moment I wake up to the time I go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, if you could only ride one route or in one state or country for the rest of your life, where would that be? 
man, right now it's Middle Tennessee, dude. Okay. Yeah, I mean, all my keeping it local. Yeah, keep it local. I can ride out in any direction. I can hit flats. I can hit climbs. Um, I mean, I love the mountains. I've been lucky to uh, ride out of the country in Brazil. Um, sure. I mean, I, if I could ride anywhere, I'd probably, you know, go move down to the southern Brazil on the coast where you have mountains and beach. But um, I don't speak Portuguese very well. And, uh, uh, you know, almost got into some trouble a couple of times down there. So I probably better stay stateside. I, hey. That's fair enough. Yeah, I like mountains and beach. I'm not really a big mountains guy. I love climbing, but I the whole going down part for 20 minutes, I'm kind of like, I want to be pedaling. So that's not so much for me. Um, curious, man, what emoji are you? Ooh, dang. Never thought of that. Hit me with the question. What emoji am I? Um... <laughs> Dude, I don't... And do you go super conservative or do you really try to sound like a badass here? I, <laughs> you really sound like if you had to, like your signature is one emoji. Who are you? I just throw that hammer down there since I'm a mechanic, man. Oh, I like that. Okay. Yeah. Got the, yes. got the hammer yes. emoji. That's awesome. Hey, man, I appreciate your time. I think this sheds a lot of light for people on understanding how you can mentally get your mind around the idea of riding really far and what would be to finish this off we're really trying to provide value to everybody and i think you've provided a ton which we're super appreciative and grateful for what is the let's say joey 265 in uh nevada is like man i've been riding 50 miles i want to get to 80 i want to ride 100 like whitney what's the one tip that you would give him to like you know, he might not have friends that are doing big rides. He wants to get out there. What's a tip that you can provide um, that comes to mind? Is just like, this is how you start going farther. Uh, you'll know when you want to go farther. So you'll get back from that 50-mile ride and be like, man, I should have did a little more. So at that point, uh, you know, turn before you get to the house and go do another little 20 miles. And, you know, yes. that's 70. Um, or if you get, you know, 20 out on a 50 and you're like, uh, you know, that's the day you want to try to do a little more than go out and back on a road, five miles out, five miles back, you know, you get a good quick 10 miles, but you're not really going into uncharted territory. Um, yeah, just, you know, mm, keep pushing the like that. and it's all mental, man. Just, you, it, I mean, visualize it. I'm sure you've heard this a thousand times, visualize the wind, visualize the ride. And honestly, somebody told me to do that when I was like 16 years old and it, 100% works. It's a secret tool. That's incredible, man. Especially, you know, staying closer to home. I, I think one other thing, too, that I remember when I, being kind of saying before, I like the familiar roads. I did loops sometimes. Yeah. Like there were days where I was, there were days when I wanted to go out and climb and I'd ride out 60 miles and then ride home 60 miles. And the farthest I got from my house was 60 miles. But there's other days where I'm like, man, I just don't want to be that far. And I'd ride out. 20 miles and do like a loop of a training race course and yeah. be like, all right, I'm still only 15 miles from home. I'm going to do another loop. Or I'm going to do it backwards. I'm going to, you know, something that keeps it, uh, you know, fresh. And that's kind of what I do here in Memphis is like, I ride out to this hopefully future race course, um, that a local team might put on and it's 30 miles out there. So I know I'm only an hour and a half from home. I can do a 10 mile loop. I could keep going a little bit and do another loop. And it's kind of a nice little setup. So I think that's a great tip of 
how to be just not mentally worried about going farther. Cause you don't necessarily have to go farther. You're just riding the bike. Yeah. Longer. More time. Yeah. You got to have those audibles, man. Just know when to call them. Yo, Whitney, thank you, man. You guys give him a follow on Strava. Uh, hit him up on Instagram at witty with W H I T Y W H I T. Um, if you guys have more questions, obviously email me, Brendan at evoke bike. If you have specific questions for Whitney, send them over my way. Uh, we'll get him back on here and dude, thanks again for your time. We really appreciate it. You're welcome, it. Brandon. Thanks for having me on. Talk to you soon, man, See you, dude. Bye. See ya.